0: our first scripture this morning is from the prophet Isaiah chapter 40 beginning with the 21st verse he's talking to um, King Merodach Baladan and talking about the coming uh, prophecy that they'll all be ending up in Babylon And this passage is familiar. It starts out, Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. So we continue with the 21st verse. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretch out from heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in, who brings princes to naught and makes rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely has their stem taken root on the earth. When he blows upon them and they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble, To whom then will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host and numbers them, calling them all by name. Because he is great in strength, mighty in power, and no one is missing. Why do you speak, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Here ends the Old Testament reading from Isaiah. And the psalm of response is number 147. Praise for care for Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. For God is gracious and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. God gathers the outcasts of Israel, heals the brokenhearted, and binds up their wounds. God determines the number of stars and gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. God's understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the downtrodden, casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds and prepares rain for the earth. Makes grass grow on the hills. Gives to the animals their food and to the young ravens when they cry. God's delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the speed of the runner, but God takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. God has not dealt thus with any other nation. He does They do not know his ordinances. Praise the Lord. Here ends the psalm. And remember when it says fear him, it means awe. So God is awesome, not fearsome. And the New Testament reading today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. No, chapter 9, sorry beginning with verse 16. The rights of an apostle. We had a good discussion about this during Bible study. If I proclaim the gospel, this gives me no ground for boasting, for an obligation is laid on me. And woe to me if I do not proclaim the gospel. For if I do this on my own will, I have a reward But if not my own will, I am entrusted with a commission. What then is my reward? Just this, that in my proclamation I may make the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my rights in the gospel. For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all so that I may win more of them. To the Jews I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law so that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law though I am not free from God's law but am under Christ's law so that I might win with those outside the law. To the weak I became weak so that I might win the weak. I might become all things to all people, that I might by all means means save some. Do it all for the sake of the gospel. I do it all, he says, for the sake of the gospel, so that I might share in its blessings. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from worship of idols. I speak as to sensible people, judge for yourselves what I say. Here ends Corinthians. And then we move to the Gospel of Mark. We are still in chapter 1, but things are moving fast. Already within chapter 1, Jesus has been born, Jesus has been baptized, he's all grown up, he's 30-something, and now he's uh, begun... A Ministry um, of Healing and Casting Out Demons. And he's just been in the synagogue teaching and they wondered about his authority. And so our reading continues. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases, and cast out many demons and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. (laughs) Here ends the gospel reading. Will you pray with me? Dear God, meet us where we are and may the words of my mouth And the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our Creator, our Redeemer, our Sustainer. Amen. So there's this thing in the Gospel of Mark. He goes along with this immediacy, with being in a hurry to tell the story. And at the same time, he, he has Jesus saying, Shh, "Don't tell." Now, here's your churchy words for the for the week. It's a phrase. It's called the Messianic secret. And this is what Mark is about. He's he's wanting. He keeps Jesus' identity in the stories a secret. Jesus is telling us the whole time don't tell who I am. Now, lots of theologians have wondered about this and written lots of books and lots of paper about this, wondering what that is about. Why is it that we're not to talk about who Jesus was for the Gospel of Mark? It's like a good mystery story, right? Do you like good mystery stories? I enjoy watching Father Brown, and um, Sister Boniface is a trip, have you watched her? And I also enjoy Miss Marple. But the thing about those stories is, we get the clues right along, right? And within 22 minutes, with commercials, or if it's on, if you're streaming it, you don't have the commercials, but within a few minutes, everybody's going, oh, I know who it was. I figured it out, and pretty soon these unassuming people who look like the rest of us, right, figure out the mystery, solve the mystery, and that's satisfying, right? We like that. We like knowing who done it. My mom was a big fan of Agatha Christie books. She read them a lot, and and she said it's really satisfying knowing who done it the mystery is solved and yet we don't get that satisfaction from the gospel of mark the mystery remains a mystery as we read through the story who is this jesus why is it that he wants to keep his story a secret as he goes about healing Casting out demons and restoring people—remember—to their rightful places. We can get all kinds of indignant as women, right? Uh, Simon's mother-in-law is sick, and she's in the bed. And they come to everybody comes to the house and expects a meal, but Simon's mother-in-law is sick. We don't even have her name. And Jesus heals her and she serves them. Well, did he heal her so that they could have dinner? (laughs) Nobody handed them a head of lettuce and the rump roast, right? And said, do it yourselves. But what's happening, as indignant as we get in this time and place, is that Simon's mother-in-law has been restored to her rightful place in her community, we don't know what she was serving them. We assume she served them dinner. But it may be that she was a deacon in that house church, and she was serving them at the beginning of worship. So the mystery continues, even as to Simon's mother-in-law in the community and her role And as the story continues, Jesus goes about lifting people up, and some seem to know who he is, those demons, and he always makes them be quiet before he heals them. So who is Jesus to you is my question to you this morning. How would you solve the mystery of the Gospel of Mark, who do you say Jesus is in this time and place and to you in your life as you're telling your story? We've had a tough time with a member of our community. I talked about it last week. And then another person came to me and said, all we can do is pray for her. It's all about loving kindness. Is that the messianic secret? Loving kindness? Well, it is for this person, and that's how she meets Jesus in her context. So how do you meet Jesus in your context? Now remember, this is not just a rhetorical question. I invite you to think about it and respond if you want to. Your brother. I like that. Sits at the table with you? Is that what you said? I like the image of Jesus as the the playful uh, brother or accompaniment uh, type person in the movie The Shack, in the book The Shack, do you remember that? He played with Mac, and he, he was the carpenter. We had that image of him. But the way he was present to Mac in the movie was to play. They ran over the water. And as Mac began to sink, Jesus said, remember who you are, you know? So who is Jesus to you? How do you meet Jesus, Teeny? A guide, a protector, and a friend. Michelle? Oh, I like that. A sower of the way and a teacher. So a shower. Okay, I like sower, too. <laughs> I remember a time when we were walking around the lake at Pilgrim Furs a long time ago with a group of Conformans, and they had been invited to think about that question. Who is Jesus to you as they walked? And you can imagine getting teenagers to walk by themselves and in silence, that was, that was a big ask, but they did it. This was not our first retreat together, so they were used to us leaders asking them to do things that took them out of their comfort zone. That's what we were all about with them. And as they walked, they each had their own experience of who Jesus is to them. And when, they came, when we came back together around the campfire and talked about those moments, it was really amazing to me how thoughtful and deeply they had experienced Jesus as they walked around the lake. So I invite you to wonder about this messianic secret, to walk listening For God's still speaking voice, as you think about very intentionally, who is this Jesus to you? Amen.